Welcome to another episode of Connections Tech Experience. We are continuing our Cybersecurity Month, and today we have again in the studio our special security experts from our TSG group. But we are highlighting today a very valued partner of connection with Cisco, and we have our very own um, really Cisco uh, resources here within Connection. And today to talk to us from the TSG group with Cisco is David Booth, and then our very own product development specialist, Marcilda Biocek. And they're going to talk to us specifically about uh, where Cisco is playing in the security landscape, and maybe help us clarify um, and demystify, which is one of my favorite words, the Cisco-Meraki partnership uh, that came to play about five years ago, and some future things going on uh, with duo as well. So David, Marcilda, welcome. And David, why don't we start with you about what brought you to Connection and sort of how you help our customers today within our security practice. So I've been with Connection about six years this month. Um, I was an IT director prior to coming to the company. Um, So I've got about 30 years experience as a customer um, of technology. I'm a Cisco fire jumper. uh, So that gives me some understanding from a sales perspective on, on how Cisco can help. And of course, I've learned a great deal from Stephen, who's with us today, and, and Bill today. So it, it, it's always been a passion of mine to understand how security can uh, or should be uh, helping our customers. And Marcelo, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? So I've been with Connection for three years um, on the Cisco security space for a couple of years. So basically, my role as a product development specialist is making sure that we're connecting customers with the right resources from Cisco and our team to help them with pre-trials, demos, but also find the right solutions for their environment. And of course, helping cloud managers with every step of the process. Why don't we dive right in with Steve, Bill, and Rob, our reoccurring security experts on the podcast. And uh, Steve, let's start with your team and understand really where Cisco has played in your security portfolio over the past few years. And maybe have a little bit back and forth about that Meraki uh, partnership that's going on. Sure, absolutely. So, uh, you know, we've talked about this in, in some of the other podcasts as well, but one of the things that we really value is the ability to be able to do a complete integrated security approach for our customers. Uh, you know, we work with our customers to help them identify their risk and put strategies together on how to mitigate that risk over time. And, you know, that is a people process and technology uh, uh, addressable, you know, area, right? And so uh, when we're talking about technology, we talk about Cisco and how it fits into that overall strategy. Uh, there are a lot of components that help us in uh, in that complete visibility across the entire enterprise, whether or not it's endpoint, whether or not it's edge security, whether or not it's intrusion detection and prevention, whether or not it's email security, whether or not it's network access control and authenticating users appropriately in an environment. Uh, and that, that security stack is something that plays very well, in particularly with our security landscape optimization process. David, you said that you, you know, you really have the opportunity to talk to customers really upfront, you know, that, that pre-sale conversation, that discovery. What are you hearing from customers right now that is most concerning and where Cisco is really helping them, you know, identify those pain points and resolve those pain points? I think one of the biggest challenges we have with our customers always revolves around budgets and, and money. Customers identify a particular security solution and, and, and think that's the be-all and end-all of this. And, and it can't be. 
Um, I, I take a more layered approach to, to security. If I look at a product, it may cover the, the, the solution or the challenge that I'm dealing with, but it has other areas that it can also protect in. Then I'll look at another security product that may overlap that. So I, I see security um, um, and, and protecting our environment as like an onion. It's got to be layered. It can't be a single um, point of, of contact for, for anything coming in or penetration or anything. It has to be layered. So, you know, we'll sell a product that will be that will cover situation A, B, and C, um, and then the next product will cover B, C, and D, and so on and so forth. So you have that interconnecting technology. I think customers, we, we need to have, try to help them to understand that Buying one solution isn't the end of the, 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 the challenge. We have to look at how they all interconnect and how they work together. Does that make sense? Oh, it makes complete sense. And I think it really echoes what we've been talking about over the, the past couple of episodes where we think, just like you said, oh, I'm, I've got this piece of software. I've installed this. I'm good to go. I'm ready. I don't have to think about it again. I don't. Or in Rob's case, who uh, likes to have his Internet of Things at home, um, thinks he's completely <laughs> secure, and we like to poke a little fun at him. Um, but yeah, that that's what we're seeing is customers think that they bought one product, they installed it, and now uh, you know they don't have to have that fear that maybe they had before they installed that product. But what are um, sort of what are the key when you look at Cisco's portfolio? What are what are the solutions? What are the solves? Like what are the situations that you're running into with customers where you say, you know, yeah, product A can fill that, product B can fill that. So let's give you an example. Somebody buys the next generation firewall. You know, it has URL filtering in, it has threat detection in, it can even potentially have IPS. I would still advise them to get Umbrella. Um, Umbrella it being it, the DNS um, solution. Now, Umbrella can reduce firewall alerts by 60%. It can also do URL filtering. So now you have two devices having the same function. Your next generation firewall, URL filtering. DNS, URL filtering. Having that conversation and understanding that, that having that layered approach is, is going to be important. And the, that's the value of Cisco. Is it's just its large portfolio of all interconnecting technologies. You know, next generation firewall, um, ICE for its, its network access control, um, StealthWatch. It, it's great having a, a technology that can analyze the data that's coming into your infrastructure, but if it does nothing with it, if it makes no choice, where's its value? It's going to page someone at 4 o'clock in the morning and say, we're getting attacked. <laughs> How's that going to help? Right. What I want is a technology that's that's going to say, "Oh, we're getting a we're getting a situation here. Now let's make a choice. Let's let's get the firewall involved. Let's lock down that path. Let's lock down that technology that internally has, has been infected and and do something." And I, I think, um, but you know, when we were chatting before we hopped on the podcast, you had mentioned that you know we're really facing a security we were very lighthearted about it but like a security world war or world war three around security there's so much attacking happening from you know uh just homegrown hackers that are learning how i was at a conference this week and someone made the comment that kids start learning to code now in sixth grade that's right that's yeah. when they they start to just do the very basics and by the time they're in high school we could have some really sophisticated hackers that maybe aren't necessarily looking to do anything malicious, but maybe, and I told the story about on the last time we were together, uh, a high school boyfriend of mine that 
was, you know, (laughs) a high school hacker and they're, they're not necessarily looking to do anything dangerous for the most part, but we are educating kids to have that skill and who knows what happens with that, you know, uh, beyond high school. Um, so there's really a whole new generation of threat that's coming, not just from the human aspect, but you know, outside of our, our walls, outside of our country, everyone's sort of worried about this constant barrage of a security threat. Um, and it sounds scary, but I mean, it, it kind of is, right? Scary when you think about the potential of it. Um, so what is, uh, you know, how is the, how do you tackle that as, as a customer? Like there's a lot of fear around it. So how do we kind of maybe take this piece by piece with, with an organization or, you know, either that a public organization, private organization, you know, and the different sectors that we cover. Um, but how do we unpack that for a customer to make them, you know, not seem like it's World War Three, and they, you know, something's imminent. We know it's a matter of, of when, but kind of scale down a little bit for them and make it a little more consumable and understandable. Um, how does Cisco is, how is Cisco having those conversations with customers? I think the important thing for our customers to do is to acknowledge, first of all, that there is a problem, that this is a big, big issue. Uh, you take a look at the, the FBI's most wanted list for cybersecurity, and you can see on there that there are people on there from different countries, and they're, they're, they're representative of their country. So we know that this is not just a national issue. It's an international issue at, at the biggest levels. If we can acknowledge that, that we have a problem, then our priorities change. You know, we've got a lot of customers that will turn around and say, well, I've, I've got these projects this year and this project this year. If we can acknowledge that there's a, a serious issue, then that becomes our priority. Security becomes our number one um, um, uh, project. Do you see security hitting the back burner more? Like, do you start down a path with a customer and then, you know, I've heard that print gets put on the back burner a lot, but Mm -hmm. security to me is really number one priority when I think about it, but I don't own an organization. Is that what customers are saying? You start and then kind of stop and then start and stop? Well, so typically, you know, any environment, um, if you ask a CIO or a director of IT or whoever's uh, responsible for security where it sits, you know, it's going to be at the top of the stack. Usually, you know, CIO will say it's one of my top three concerns. So customers definitely recognize cybersecurity as an issue. The problem is they don't understand um, threat and they don't understand risk and therefore they don't know what to do about it. I can't tell you the number of times I've talked to customers at events and they say, I work for a company that's not interesting, right? No one's ever going to want to try and attack us because we're just not that interesting. And it's not true, right? If you're connected to the internet, you're susceptible to exploitation. So, you know, the key thing is, is having that conversation with them about actual threat and how that threat translates into risk. I mean, threat is the potential that something could happen. Risk is the likelihood that it will happen, right? A vulnerability is a flaw that a bad person or a malicious actor could exploit. All of those things are all really critical for conversations with customers. And, you know, one of the actually really interesting things um, that Cisco provides, and maybe David can talk about this a little bit, is that that concept of threat and what Cisco does about uh, understanding and educating and supporting that threat analysis for customers, because that's really one of the key places that you want to start. So I, I want to echo what's, what Steve just said. I have a customer in Boston, and they, they have their own intellectual property. 
And, and we did a, a, a service for them. It's a security online visibility assessment that Cisco offers uh, at zero cost. It's a 14-day assessment. We put some technology on their infrastructure, and it collects their telemetry, their metadata, as we call it. Um, we spotted six over six gigabytes worth of data had disappeared to Russia and Romania. Wow. As part of this. We got a little bit more in-depth, and it was their intellectual property. It was the stuff. It was their patents for their GPS technology that had disappeared. Um, that, that's the type of thing that w- we can get involved in. That's the type of thing that we need to do. So a company may turn around and say they're not going to touch us. We're, we're Boston-based or whatever, but the reality is they've got something that somebody wants. Right. Um, the CEO phoned me a, a couple of weeks later and said, you know, if you hadn't found that, if, if the Cisco and Connection hadn't found this, we would never have been able to put things in place on the Internet so that if our technology comes up for sale, we can now do something about it. So it doesn't matter who you are. You know, I, I've seen companies that are, that do um, boats for police departments. I've seen them getting hacked. Huh. Um, I've seen, obviously, healthcare is a big thing, but I've seen small little companies, police departments. It doesn't matter who you are. It's not when you're going to get hacked. It's you are going to get hacked. Right. So you need to have something in place. You need to do that. So I agree that, that it's the top three of, of any CIO's list. Um, the question comes... When does storage, for example, become more important than protecting that storage? Right. And that's the challenge I have. Yes, it's right at the top. We're running out of space. Yeah, but what's the point in expanding your space if you're not protecting it adequately? And, and that's the concern I would have. Would you agree, Steve? Yeah, absolutely, right? It's, it's all associated with prioritization and understanding of risk and, you know, the things that um, the top-level IT officers in a corporation are confronted with. Um, you know, upgrading their database infrastructure, upgrading their overall web service infrastructure um, that could trump cybersecurity. But of course, my response would be, as you're doing that, you should be paying attention to cybersecurity. <laughs> right? Nothing should ever be built and deployed uh, and implemented without cybersecurity. In fact, Penny, I don't think you're talking about high school kids, right? Maybe on the other side of the coin, maybe some of these people will come out of high school and be really good secure code developers, that's right? True. That's, that's what we no hope No one ever right? says that. They make it sound so doom and gloom, but you could have an entire generation of people that are better at cybersecurity. They actually know how to write code and have it be, you know, uh, bulletproof as far as a cybersecurity perspective is concerned. Yeah, and another thing to think about, right? You think about threat, you think about risk. You were getting to this, David, where it's impact, right? What's going to actually happen if, if that, you know, did you help that, those people realize their IP was getting leaked? That's a major impact to them. Assign a dollar value to that, right? How long is it going to take you to recover a system that goes down? What actually happens if that IP is stolen and someone goes to market faster with a product? So think about the impact. What's that dollar value? And then assign a fraction of that to security and think about protecting it that way. Cost the, of remediation exactly. is, always, so is yeah, always more than the cost of protection. The people that's oh, going totally. to come in to fix it, the contractors, your internal staff. Um, so you think about all that and then think about how much that's actually going to cost. Maybe assign some of that dollars that you could be spending when you, you know, the doomsday comes to uh, putting some protection in place. Yeah, every customer has a limited security budget that yeah. I talk to uh, until something happens. Exactly. Right. Then it's like, <laughs> let me just start printing Throw money. All the to money. Get, yeah, exactly. It's like the city of Baltimore finding yeah, exactly. $10 million. That's right. <laughs> or the city of Atlanta, right? That was right. hit with ransomware yep. and brought down uh, a lot of their, their services, right? So what did we say? Prepare for the when, right? Mm-hmm. right? Make sure you're preparing for the when and you're putting in place a people process and technology strategy for preparing for that event because it is going to happen. Right? You, whether or not... You think you're interesting or not. I mean, think about this concept as well, right? Um, attackers leverage other organizations or other infrastructures to attack other entities, yeah. right? Happened a lot, you know, very uh, 
early on in the whole cyber war perspective where uh, universities are being used to launch attacks because their .edu servers uh, were wide open and, and, you know, all of our adversaries were getting in there and dropping in code and then attacking corporations across the country. Uh, it, you don't have to be the target. You just need to be susceptible to exploitation in order to be breached. Right. So we're looking at some, some technology, but there's, there's an even a bigger um, point to all of this. If you're in healthcare and you get um, hit by anything, you have to put, you put on the wall of shame, for want of a better word. Right. So, you know, we were heard about Target. Target's still paying for, for what happened to them um, some years ago. So it, it isn't just about how we prevent this, it's what we do afterwards. And, and Connection, thankfully, has a, a couple of solutions, um, um, incident management solutions, for when you do get hit. And, and one of the things that I really like about those is, is the crafting of the message. Um, some of those solutions have that. They have people who will come along and help you to explain what's happening to you, to try and mitigate some of the, the, the things that are going to happen when, when your customers move away from, from you. And that kind of thing is all part of that security conversation. Right. You know, it isn't just about firewalls. It's not just about um, um, stealth watches and, and, and all these other assessments. It's about what do we do, you know, when, when it hits the fan and we're all, we're all panicking what do we do about that? And, and getting these these these, these uh, partner vendors in place before it happens will certainly help you deal with the aftermath. Yeah, that's something we've talked about before. It's like where we're you know we can do an assessment and we can show a customer where they're weak. We can put a plan in place to you know improve their security, put new um, product solutions in place. But in the meantime, what if something? What if it all hits the fan? What do we say? What's the game plan? How do we recover? How do we do all of that stuff? And that sometimes that in-between gap is what customers aren't thinking about solving for. They're just on the road to fix it, but not thinking about that intermediate plan should something happen. So that's a, it's a great thing and a great point that's, that you're kind of stepping in there and having that conversation with a customer. How do we help you in the meantime um, while you, you get to this? Well, as Steve might say, it's not a final destination because once we've upgraded and improved something, there's probably a new threat that we're going to identify. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the terminology that you're seeing now quite frequently is zero hour, right? It used to be zero day. Um, I actually believe I coined that phrase about a year ago, but I won't take credit for it. But anyway. <laughs> We'll give it to you here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, you're never done. That's the one thing. You know, there's never a point in time where as a risk owner, you lean back in your chair, put your arms, your hands behind your head, your feet up on the desk and say, you know, I'm done, right? It is a constant feedback loop. You're always looking at uh, technology and at people and at process and what can be done to adjust it because you're right, threat changes on a regular basis. You know, I say this all the time, right? You can have a tremendous budget and capability to train your people and make them cybersecurity specialists. I don't care what you do, you will never be able to equal what the malicious actors out there, especially the nation state actors, uh, do. They spend literally tens of billions of dollars on offensive security and, and capabilities and skills to be able to attack what they consider to be their adversaries, right? Which, of course, we are one. And so you, you just can't match that. They have unlimited budget, unlimited time, unlimited skills, and they're constantly thinking about new ways to be able to breach existing technology or a process or, or whatever happens to be the overall security strategy of any uh, company or the government organization in the United States. So I, I had the privilege of attending the manufacturing academy that we hold internally um, a couple of weeks ago, and, and they took us to a brewery, a local brewery. And I was sitting there looking at, 
if, if anybody had gone in and taken one of those machines out, just one of those machines out, the millions and millions of dollars an hour that company is losing just on that, right. that's our reason for doing this. That's why we're having this conversation today. That's why it is World War III. You know, that's people's pensions, that's people's paychecks going out the window because we didn't protect one machine. We've got to start looking and taking this seriously. It needs to be number one. You know, Steve says it's in the top three. I say number one. It needs to be the first thing you think about when you get up in the morning. What am I doing to protect my employees, my customers? We support that, guys, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll call it mission to one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we want it all to be one. There's well, a new know, campaign, it, Cisco. It, it used to be many years ago, right? I mean, uh, you know, say five or six years ago, it would probably be number 10 on the list. Sure. And, right. And now it's, you know, it's definitely popped up the stack because people are now starting to recognize that it's a serious issue. But, uh, you know, the important point, um, and I, I think Bill pointed this out, is that until they feel the pain, they don't think they need to worry about it. And we get uh, conversations with customers all the time about a, a risk owner, you know, it might be a small or medium business, and they say, I get it, I understand, we want you guys to help us understand our risk. But unfortunately, I'm not sure the C-suite understands what needs to be done. How do I make them aware um, of uh, what they need to do? And I say, let me get in front of them and do my scare the pants off of them presentation, right? Because that has a lot of effect. When you talk about active breaches, what has happened, how it has happened, you talk about the fact that over 50% of the breaches that happen in, in the world are from human error or misconfigured systems rather than those crazy people in the rooms with their hoodies, you know, coding and, and figuring out these new attacks. Um, it helps open up and, and, and increase awareness. And that's really where we need to be. Everybody needs to understand this is not an issue that can be ignored anymore. It really is yeah. cyber war. We're in, we're in cyber war today. Not, not to mention the, the C-suite now are stakeholders in the business. So, right. Yeah. That's right. And Steve, you brought up a good point because a lot of customers, they don't have the right IT budget. Therefore, they don't have a lot of cybersecurity incident response teams. If you think about it, incident response teams are recently being developed and even big companies that we can name them, um, I'm not going to name them today, but <laughs> they're currently still developing their incident response team. You could see how lack of scarce resources they have. But what they don't understand is that companies like Connection, uh, they partner with um, Cisco and other uh, companies as well to provide those resources, to walk them through different solutions and make sure that they're buying the right solutions. Because if they don't know what a solution does, if they're not trying it for a couple months or a month and so on, and we do offer all those for free, they don't know if that's the best solution. And let's say they bought the solution, then what's next? What's the ABC, right? So it's always making sure they have the multi-layer because with one layer, is never enough. There's always loopholes. There's no solution out there that actually has everything the customer needs. So I, I think Bill said something about a few minutes ago. We're, we're also selling a technology called digital network architecture. And there's a presentation I do, and there's, there's three numbers that I, I use. 96% of, and this was a, an IDC survey that, that Cisco um, um, asked for, 96% of network changes are still being done manually. Wow. Right? 70% of policy violations are caused by human error. This is resulting in a 75 to 85% op, OPEX cost. Now, I, I've been an IT guy and I've been a network guy for a really, really long time. And on, as part of my presentation, I put two slides up. And there's five lines of code in each slide. And I asked, I asked our customers, what's the difference between the two? One creates a tunnel using SSL1 and one creates a tunnel using SSL2. SSL1's been compromised. By missing one single line, 
okay, of about five or six characters, if you do that, you've potentially put in a compromisable funnel straight away. So I, I think those are really, really important numbers. 70% of policy violations are caused by human error. You know, we need, to, we, need to, we need to identify this. We need to get that information together. We need to make sure that, that we recognize this. And it goes back to my point right at the beginning. Our customers, ourselves, other manufacturers got to understand and accept how serious a conversation this is. I love that you kind of say that the human, and we've echoed that a, a, on a couple of different episodes, that the, the human element of the security risk is the greatest and the most unpredictable um, and I, I've, I've said a statistic before that I think 70, about 70% similar to yours, 70% of upper management, 70 to 75, I think, um, have no idea of the risk they pose when using their machines. And these are, these are the people who are running our companies who are making decisions and things like that. But it's, it's kind of really grown over the years. And so, you know, a lot of these guys and girls who started, you know, maybe in the industry or whatever industry they're in 20 years ago, they weren't thinking about this and now they're running companies and it's like a, it's new and it's shocking. And the amount of data and security risk that's out there is just, it's tough to wrap your head around. And maybe some are just hoping they'll retire before <laughs> before <laughs> it becomes an issue for them. Um, but I think when you, when you look at how big the threat is getting and what people um, like Cisco and Connection are doing in the industry, um, there's a lot of people popping up. There's a lot of security solutions and this and that, get this patch, get this piece of software. Um, and I'm sure there's a lot of um, investors in Silicon Valley that are trying to like pump money into the the security, um, the security industry. Um, but I know Cisco is really trying to build up their offer and their stack and their company to try to have that full portfolio. And you guys acquired Meraki about five years ago, and I think that there is a new acquisition with Duo. So what um, what is that kind of added to what Cisco can offer? How did it round out? And maybe even clarify a little bit, you know, what the f- differences are between that Meraki product and that Cisco product. So Cisco's puts a great deal of money into re- research and development, but they also put a great deal of money into acquisitions. And, and bringing Meraki into the fold was, was, was a great way of understanding or having a cloud-based controller system, um, specifically around wireless access points. And, and that's grown. We now do uh, firewalls. We do switches. We do cameras. So that, that, that kind of in itself has, has definitely grown within the, the, the Cisco portfolio. Let's take a look at the traditional stuff. We have the access points there. We have controllers there. So, that, again, we now have two reasonably kind of different technologies doing the same kind of thing. What underpins all of them is is the threat grid that, that Cisco acquired in another acquisition, and Talos, which is the, the largest non-government-funded research organization in the world for security. And all of our technologies, our, our, our Cisco, our Meraki, all uses that information, that resource. Um, we talked about Rob having a lot of IoT at home. Hey, Rob, I got 45 devices sitting on my Meraki stack of be, IoT be. devices. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. See? He's got you beat. See? That's it. Now we have a, a new guy to reference. That's right. <laughs> and you know, and I, I now have a new target. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I You're off the all. hook. I have it all on Meraki. I have the firewall. I have the switch. I have the access point. And all of that has embedded into it Umbrella. Um, so I, I use Umbrella completely. I have no alerts on my firewall. 
at all. Wow. Um, because again, it's a layered approach to that technology. I have endpoints on my, my devices. Um, even my IoT devices have some kind of security on them. Um, and, and I hope this doesn't encourage people to come along and hack me, by the way. I was going to say, <laughs> are, say yeah, well, how then, often yeah. are you doing a security health check on your <laughs> network there, David? That's, that's a great suggestion. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Meraki has that inside. You can actually do a self-analysis. You have um, um, ways in Meraki to actually do your own health checks, your one health check, your security health check. It's built into the technology. But I, I, I think bringing those two together, they are very distinct technologies, and they're very... Um, specific to the, the, the use cases that they have, okay? But, as I said, what underpins them all is that research team, is that, that advanced malware that, they, that is produced and shared across all the technology. And I think that's the key to that. You know, they are two different things, and they, help, they, they, they meet two different objectives for our customers. But it, you can sit there with the, the kind of knowledge that they're all sharing that level of data. Um, if, we, if we take one of the largest software companies in the world, um, and we look at how much data they see on a daily basis, what Cisco sees right now on, it, on the internet is almost, they see in a day what this other security company or this other software company sees in a month. Wow. And that's important. Last number I saw was 60% of the internet runs on Cisco technology. Now, it doesn't matter whether you're a fan or not a fan of Cisco. You have to accept that if they're seeing that much telemetry, if they're seeing that much data passing through, they're going to know a lot more than most other people are going to know. Right. That, that makes sense. That makes complete sense because that's what we've we've talked about that in the past as well is the amount of with all of the cloud based technology without with everything running through the Internet is everything gets better because we have the users um, on those platforms and we're collecting data and they self improve. So the fact that you've got an increase or a majority of traffic passing through and data passing through, it only makes you able to get better and find, you know, gaps and find weaknesses and, you know, really learn from the user base to improve the product across um, the entire portfolio. Well, it's really interesting. I, I didn't know that, that, that Cisco had kind of that, um, We'll say market share, for lack of a better word, of the internet. <laughs> Visibility. Visibility. <laughs> There's something else we kind of touched on a little while back. We talk, I talked about some technologies that can analyze the data that's going through your infrastructure and, and potentially page you uh, at some time in the morning to say, hey, we've got a problem here. We need to get into a place where this technology can make choices for us. You know, very our, true. Our, our very own yep. um, president of, of, of uh, our marketing department, Jamal, talks about artificial intelligence and does a great presentation on that cisco's moving into that you know the sofas has a great technology its endpoint connects to its utm to its, its its firewall and if it detects something it will shut down that that device which saves you going around pulling network cables out of things great technology great idea it's actually called heartbeat um cisco has something similar you know we have the next generation firewalls we have ICE for the network access control, and we have StealthWatch. If StealthWatch monitors and sees something that's abnormal to the way data moves across your infrastructure, it'll make a choice, the choice that you preset that says, I'm going to stop this. This is not going to happen anymore. I'll give you an example. Um, in most cases, in most companies, we see about a third of the traffic being encrypted. Okay? We know that encrypted traffic is now being used for malware. If we're sitting in the company and, and suddenly over half of the traffic or, or maybe three quarters of the traffic is now starting to be encrypted, that's a question. Why is this happening? This is not our normal um, um, amount of data that's moving across. Let's make a decision. This technology can do that. If we see this much technology now starting to go or this much data starting to move across there that we're not expecting, 
we're going to make a choice. We're going to do something to shut that down, or at least put it in a state where a, a human being can come along and make a decision. And that's where we need to be with this technology. Right, right. Well, the key points are um, our complete visibility or as much visibility as you can across the entire ecosystem. And that takes, you know, technology that is in different locations within the stack itself that actually can communicate and collaborate together. And that is definitely something that Cisco brings to the table. We find, and we always advise our customers to be thinking about that overall strategy rather than buying, you know, 25, 30 different pieces of technology from different mm-hmm. vendors, right? Look at something that is a unified security stack kind of approach, and that gives you that level of availability. So when, that, when something does happen, um, you know, the endpoint sees something, the edge sees something, the gateway sees something, all of those things are all correlated together to say this is probably... Uh, you know, an event that really needs to be looked at in some way, shape, or form, uh, you know, especially if it's behavioral related, right? So that, that's really sort of the key thing. And having our customers understand that they need to be thinking about that as a solution and a strategy is something that we're always talking about. But again, this gets back to perception of risk and budget. And, you know, that's where the big challenge is, is trying to overcome that. Right. Yeah, I, I agree. They, they uh, From a Cisco perspective, the customers I talk to, they've got Empathy endpoint, they've got ICE for NAC, they've got DNS security with umbrella, but they don't have Southwatch, right? So how do they get that visibility and that analytics in there? They've got all this great platform, all this great technology in place, but they don't have that visibility across the infrastructure. Yeah. And it gets back to we talked about this in one of the earlier podcasts as well. Uh, are they really do they are they aware of what they have and are they leveraging everything yeah. they have right and we see that on a regular basis they don't even recognize that there are tools that are at their fingertips that all they have to do is simply turn on and they'll be a lot better protected from that complete visibility protect you know perspective we just talked about and you know Cisco's addressing this as well with its its move into doing enterprise agreements um, you, you know we, we we recognize the seriousness of this of this this type of um, technical challenge that we have so Cisco turns around and says well you know if you're buying Stealthwatch if you're buying Umbrella if you're buying Ice well let's put it into an EA we, we know you're as, as conscious as we are about your budget let's put it into an enterprise agreement once they put it into that EA they have access to all of the other security products so again c- uh, connection is now we, we have customer success managers um, that are part of our organization. So, you know, we sell these these EAs or we sell this technology and, and we find that the customer hasn't even turned them on. We go back 12 months later and say, here's your renewal. What am I renewing for? I never <laughs> used any of this stuff. Are you kidding me? Okay, I, I, I'm either the world's greatest salesman because I made you spend $300,000 <laughs> right. and you used 10 grand of it. I mean, seriously. So we have people in the company, Tiffany Liu, Gary Harmon, that will help the customer to get the best out of their investment. So we can address those questions when we involve them. We can turn around and say, you now have this EA. You bought it because you wanted Stealthwatch. You bought it because you wanted ICE. But you do have Umbrella now, and you have AMP for endpoints, and you have access to a virtual email security appliance. You have this. Let's get it working. Let's, let's, let's start engaging our security practice and getting the best out of the investment you're making. That's excellent. So it's we've kind of talked about, you know, overall for for weeks we've been talking about the the threat that just keeps growing and growing and companies like Connection and Cisco trying to develop and combat those threats and get ahead of them, be more proactive um, versus waiting for something to happen. So if your organization is, you know, in a position where security is in the top three, hopefully it's getting to the top one. Um, and you're not quite sure what you have out there currently, 
on your network or what your solutions are in place. Um, Marcilda, I think, um, put it perfectly. A quick, you know, 14-day, um, I think, proof of concept or trial or discovery. Um, proof of concept is one of my favorite words <laughs> across the board. Um, but taking some time with our team to understand what those threats are, um, what a remediation plan is, what a gap plan is. Um, and then on the other side of it, maybe I think you are a really good salesman if you, I mean, I want to buy it right now, but um, you know, after that sale, after you've had that discovery, after you've, you know, you've bought in and you're going to be more secure and this is a top priority. Um, it's important to know that on the other end of things, um, there's customer success managers that are going to really help you implement that now and do reviews with you and make sure that that technology is being utilized the way that it should be. Um, and so bravo to you, because I think that that is a huge gap sometimes in that follow-up after the sale of making sure that there's value in it because they could still buy it, not really implement it, have a risk. And then there's this perception that what they bought didn't actually help them at all. So if you're an organization out there and this sounds familiar and you are in this seat right now, um, give our team here at Connection um, a call, our Cisco team, our security team, um, and we will get you on the path to being more secure. Um, but David, I'm not going to let you off the hook just yet and do a fun little exercise with my guests. Um, I'm going to ask you, uh, you and Marcilda a couple of questions, and then we will close out for the day. So David, I know you've been an IT um, director in past life. Hopefully this isn't your answer, but if you weren't doing what you're doing today at Connection, um, what would you um, be doing as a job well, I, I dream job <laughs> as well. That's why I don't that's, say that's IT a, director. That's a, that's a tough question. Um, I, I, I've had a lot of jobs. When I was at the hospital, I was IT director of a hospital. I, I wanted to be the best IT director I could. Um, and I, I would have tra challenges talking to um, uh, some of the, the providers, some of the doctors and nurses. So I actually went through and took my first responder ENT and EMTI classes so that I could have a clinical background. So if I was to go back, I'd, I'd reactivate those. And, and part of that process is being in a fire department. So, you know, I, I've got those certifications. So if I wasn't doing IT, I'd probably be doing some other kind of customer service role, like uh, being an EMT or a fireman again. Oh, I love that. Oh, that's awesome. Good answer. Uh, Marcella, how about you? I'm a huge believer on what uh, David said, that every step, every experience in your life leads to something else. So even if I would have gone back in time, you know, I've been in sales, I've been in marketing, um, I worked for startups and big companies, but like it basically led me to here. And I love my job. I love helping account managers, helping customers and working with David very closely on making sure those customers are happy with what we provide here at Connection. So I'm happy where I am. So I don't think I'll change that. <laughs> Wow, that's pretty impressive. Yes. <laughs> that's the connection cool. Your right dream there. job. I was going to say, <laughs> your dream. you know what, though, if people looked at my LinkedIn or my Facebook, I say the same thing. Like, I, I really enjoy what I what I do here at Connection. So I, I echo uh, that right there, Masilda. You do uh, have a great team. Last, uh, last set of questions for you, uh, David. Uh, for your personal use, what is your favorite piece of technology that you use? And I, you have 40 IoT devices, so I'm really interested <laughs> to get your opinion here. So I, I, I'm, I'm, as I say, I've been in IT for 30 years, so people can probably guess my age. My generation were the ones who really got into playing games. We were the arcade experts. We were the ones who spent a lot of that time. So um, I'm a big follower of uh, a particular gaming uh, 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 kind, of, kind of story. It's actually Assassin's Creed. So 
I spent a lot of time playing Assassin's Creed, so my, my favorite technology is going to be my, my 4K 9Q Samsung TV. <laughs> I'm definitely a big Samsung fan. Um, and my PlayStation, and hopefully the new PlayStation when it comes out. <laughs> and what's your least favorite piece of technology, but it's useful, so you keep it around? You know, I really don't have uh, a least favorite. I, I'm, a tech, I'm very passionate about technology, and I value technology. I, I think it, it allows us to do... Um, the more important things in life, if we can get, get rid of the mundane tasks, if we can get rid of the things that we don't need to focus on and we don't need to put energy into, it allows us to use that energy for something else. So I really don't have a least favorite. Um, so it, it's difficult a question to answer. I like that, but I like your, it's a good answer. It's, you actually clearly are using it to its fullest advantage. Um, so good answer. My, and my blinds get opened in the morning automatically. Oh. I turn around to Alexa and say, Alexa, open my blinds. Oh my God, I love I, it. I have about 30 windows downstairs. <laughs> I have my husband waking me up. <laughs> <laughs> we all have our own pieces yeah. of technology. You keeping up with that, Rob? <laughs> we get, we're going to do a battle of the IoT yeah. house over here. Let's just say I'd lose. Yeah. <laughs> and Marcilda, what's your favorite piece of technology that you use? Um, so I'm really into social media, like, um, you know, bringing communities together and sharing uh, what our team does here. Um, so definitely uh, recently I started like uh, using um, the umbrella free version and also dual my phone as well to make sure that at least I have some type of protection. Um, but at the same time, I'm not super giggy. So I rely on my husband to protect us from all those <laughs> <laughs> threats in the house that we can have. Uh, he's in the cybersecurity field as well. So it works perfectly fine. Excellent. And your least favorite piece of technology? Um, I don't know. Nothing comes to my mind yet. <laughs> all right. That's, a that's been a tough question for people. The mm -hmm. least favorite piece. It is. I don't uh, have one. I got one. Oh, okay, Rob. What is it? Well, I would say it wouldn't be hard for me. It's my task manager that I used to manage all my, my tasks. <laughs> all the things projects. you have to do? It just constantly <laughs> reminds me how much I suck. It's like you still have a ton of stuff to do. <laughs> <laughs> you know? it's, it's not the app that's bad. No, it's not the app. Yeah, maybe it's me. I don't know. Right. But uh, that's definitely my least favorite. <laughs> oh, I love it. All right. Thank you so much, David. Thank you, Marcilda, and our entire security team here with us again. Visit connection.com and engage our Cisco and security team to help you be more secure. Thank you, guys. Thank, Thank you. you.